Ryan Ahole here, the one and only Bert Lehman, and back from the Dirt Podcast, guest of, guest of the show again, always when we're stirring stuff up, the one and only Coach Kraus. Uh, Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well, just um, enjoying the great weather. I couldn't find anybody to go golfing today. I was a little bit upset with that. I, uh, we had a golf tournament Sunday, didn't golf too well, so I wanted to go redeem myself, but everybody has to work, um, so that's what happens. Yeah, you kind of get the summers off a little bit. I mean, you still got to do some hockey stuff, but not quite as much as a winter, of course. And Bert, how's it going over? You were sick last week. Feeling yes. better? Glad to have you back. I was sick last week. I am feeling better. I, I'm still not 100%. I still feel fatigued, but uh, basically I slept for two and a half days. I mean, not watch TV for two and a half days. I slept for two and a half days. <laughs> Nice, nice. I, I'm glad you're feeling better. Let's put it that way. I come up to, I'm up in Superior, Wisconsin right now, and I get back up in this area, and there's still a lot of smoke up here. So my cough is crazy, and I get further away from here, and my cough disappears. So oh, what we got going on here? Somebody calling me. 715, 715 number. Somebody trying to call me here multiple times. Uh, little bit of drama here this week, boys. Yeah. We're going to get into that in just a second. So my phone's been ringing off the hook. But, uh, of course, episode 186, guys, brought to you by your friends over at Zuli's Race Engines. And this time of year, I mean, you just simply look at their Facebook page. Lots of wins. Lots of people battling for championships. I mean, if you can't beat them, join them. And if you want to join a winning team, if you're an experienced machinist, they're looking for experienced machinists over at Zuli's Race Engines. But uh, I don't know if you guys heard, Wasoda's got a new sponsor. I don't know if you heard that. I have not. <laughs> yeah, the one to go show. Everybody says we're hating on Wasoda all the time. I sponsored Wasoda this past week, $100. I'm not sure where they're going to use that money for, but uh, proud sponsor of the Wasoda Promoters Association. I tried to buy, I did buy a license to race. I got two laps in and hot laps. So I basically bought a license, didn't get a refund, sponsored with Soda. So there you go. One to go show partnered up with the Soda Promoters Association <laughs> for the 2023 season. Oh, so, before, before we move on, I just want to say congrats. I wasn't on last week's podcast. I just want to say congratulations uh, for being inducted into uh, the Superior, Superior Hall of Fame. And uh, I was looking at your stats, though. You have five track championships there and yep. only 50. Only 16 feature wins? Yeah, What's back up with in that? the day, they got 35, 40 <laughs> super stocks every night. We started 12th about every single night over there with the point average, and that was a really tough place to win. If they if they looked at how many podiums I had, there was a pile of them, but winning from 12th over uh, every night over there was a tall task because, I mean, you had the top Cedar Lake guys coming, the range cars, the Duluth cars, the Ashland cars. They had a really, really stout field of cars over there, so – um, there was times where if you started in the back of the heat, you're going, holy crap, I got to get in the show. I mean, so it was a little bit different. Nothing against the guys okay. racing now, but when you All get right. uh, when you have as many cars in a B main back then as they have uh, on a full night in, in like total, it's a little bit different. Let's just say okay. that. So, yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I have 17, 17 wins or something like that. I, I think they said, I think the release said 16. Yeah, 16, 16 somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, so. Lots of seconds, lots of thirds, and 
yeah, it, it was a fun, tough place to race, but they paid really, really good all the years that I raced there. Best paying track around. <clears throat> but uh, hot laps, hot takes. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna tackle the elephant in the room now. Before we do, I want to give a little shout out to our friend Brad Parson. He, <clears throat> Brad Parson Soil and Egg Solutions. Um, he wanted me to let you know. I mean, he's got a lot of great products out there for the farming community, but he also carries foliar fertilizers, nutrient stabilizers, and sir, I think surfactant is how it's said. He said he had guys in South Dakota last year with a 12 to 17 bushel increase on corn last year using their fo uh, foliar at tasseling. Um, they had a plane spraying on with the fungicide. So give Brad a call, 320-219-3542, and uh, he'll get you all fixed up, especially if you're in western Minnesota, north and south Dakota. He's got a lot of great products. So the elephant in the room, guys. Now, Bert, I know you're not a big Wissota guy. Probably heard a little bit about what happened this past weekend. It is the month of money at the Cedar Lake Speedway. Kind of a cool deal they do. They pick every class they have. Every class gets a night. They pay five thousand to win. A total, a great purse overall um, for each individual class. This past week was Soda Superstocks on the card. Now, well, what happened? Well, I just want to say, you know, I don't <laughs> like you said. I don't know a lot about it. I know a little bit, but. I knew it happened at Cedar Lake Speedway, so I was thinking, well, at least this doesn't have anything to do with, with soda. But then, the, the oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> right, right. Now, it wasn't a soda suspension, no 30 dates, nothing like that. So that's all good. But here's what happened. Cedar Lake Speedway, month of money, um, 5000 a win. Dexton Cook, who I kind of picked on a little bit because, you know, he kind of skipped out on the, on the Fastlane Superstock Series. But he did support his local tracks in the, the Superstock Series show he went to. Um, by the way, he won that one, so he's not slow. Leading national points right now. I mean, he's having a great year again. 12th to 1st. That's impressive. Pretty stout field of cards there. Last year's uh, winner and runner-up didn't even make the feature, right? So that tells you something. So, wins the A-Main, comes into, um, into tech, disqualified in post-race tech. And I got a message saying, hey, why was Dexton disqualified? I'm like, I didn't know he was. So I jumped online. I'm like, holy crap. Reached out. I'm thinking, must have been light, deck height. It's got to be something stupid, right? Because, I mean, the guy races all the time. And guys, they, they disqualified him because his right rear spring had too much angle. Now, Bert, I know you're not a car guy when it comes to that, but this ain't even a rule. It's not even a rule. It's not even in the rule book. There's no rule. <clears throat> the rule that they're citing, I'm going to read it, and then we'll post it here. I'll have Mason post it right here. It says, springs fixed or pivoting must be mounted on the lower control arm or the axle tube itself, comma, and must be the same on both sides. Well, first of all, springs don't pivot. That's just not a thing. I don't know who came up with that rule, but... What are you talking about? Springs don't pivot. The lower mounts for the springs pivot, but springs themselves do not pivot. This rule, guys, came into place in 2001. Um, turbine chassis built up in Hibbing, Minnesota. They actually had a design for their rear suspension where the left rear spring was on top of the axle tube. Right rear spring was on the trailing arm so they could get more bar angle in the left rear. 
they hit on something. There's their drivers were winning a bunch of races, and another chassis builder went out there. He was a little butthurt about it. Got a hold of Wasoda. Somehow, miraculously, the rule changes to where you had to have the spring. The location on the bottom mount had to be the same on both sides, on the arm or on the housing. Now, here's the deal. Nowhere in that rule, nowhere, does it say what angle the spring has to be at, okay? Now, he got, he got disqualified because of the angle. The mounts were both on the trailing arms, okay? There is, there's no rule written on this. The Cedar Lake tech guy, Rob, um, was informed by a driver to take a look at the 78K that he had too much angle in his right rear. Now, this particular driver last year was told by Rob, either last year or the beginning of this year, but I believe it was last year, was told by Rob, you can't have that much angle in your right rear spring if you're left one straight. So Rob told him that. Now, needless to say, Rob never disqualified that guy. There's other guys. Uh, there's another guy in the area that said, well, he told me too, and I just told him to piss off because it's not a rule. Two people he told about this, no disqualification. All of a sudden, they disqualify the 78K. Well, that's kind of ticky-tack bullshit right there, if you ask me. If you're going to DQ one, you DQ them all. you got to be consistent across the board. That's how this deal works. Now, <clears throat> them drivers were told to change theirs, right? That's that's red flag number one. Dexton shows in the rule book, says, uh, you show me in here where it says the angle of the spring has to be the same on both sides. It's not in the rule book. So Rob then does what a good tech guy does. I'll give him credit for this. He reached out to Billy Engelstad, who is the head with Soda Tech, and he specifically asked him, he said, all right, here's the deal. I don't see it in the rule book, right? He's got way more angle in the right rear spring than the left rear spring. And Billy said, oh, they got to be the same on both sides. We got to be the same angle. Well, don't say that anymore. That's not a rule. So he's like, well, that's what the head of Wasota Teching said. I checked on it. I did my due diligence. Got to DQ him. Tommy Richards goes on wins the AMA. So Dexton calls his chassis builder. Huge donkey award to Joe at Affordable. Kind of a jackass move, Joe. Got to be honest with you. Telling your driver not to fight this deal. What are you talking about, guy? What are you, what are you doing telling people, well, it does have a lot of angle in it. There ain't no freaking rule. What are you talking about? Kind of a dumbass here, all right? Kind of pisses me off that you're uh, not having the back of your own driver. I'm just saying that is a bullshit move. Now, Dexton spoke with Wasoda. They get a hold of Cali at the office, said, I want to appeal this deal. I flat out want to appeal. Guys, 5000 to win is what it pays for the national championship. It pays more to win that one race than it pays to win the Wasoda 100. That would have been his biggest paying win of his career, right? Plus a 112-point show. Got it. Got to appeal it. So Callie opens up the rule book and she looks at it and says, well, says right here that you cannot appeal it because there wasn't a $500 fine. Well, I'd argue there was a $5,000 fine because he was out 5,000 on earnings. So there is that. Now she said, well, you're going to have to call Billy. Well, Billy's the one who made up the rule to begin with. So you, now you're going to call Billy and try to explain it to him to have him kind of change his mind. Well, Billy, in a conversation with Dexton and Amanda Cook, Amanda, of course, Dexton's wife owns the car. His verbiage was this. I know it's not in the rule book. It's an unwritten rule. And I can interpret rules and, and do whatever I want in the discussion. And if anybody knows Billy, he was heated yelling. And that's what Billy does. I, I got to be honest with you. Since when? Unwritten rule. 
we don't even freaking enforce half the rules that are written clearly in the rule book. And now you're trying to enforce an unwritten rule. How the hell do you build race cars? I talked to multiple chassis builders and they're like, well, if they're DQing people for unwritten rules, how do we build a car? Because what are they going to DQ us for next? They ain't going to, oh, I don't like that. We're going to DQ you. That's not even a thing. Okay. Now we talked about why the rule came. Now here's a couple things. Here's why you can't have an angle, specific angle of the springs. If you get your springs in, let's say they're both vertical. If you move your rear end to the left or to the right to free up the car or tighten the car, the somebody really wants to talk to me because they keep calling me. But <laughs> sorry about that. If you move the rear end to the left or to the right, okay, the angle of the springs are going to change. That's just the way it is. If you move your trailing arms to the left or to the right or tow them in or tow them out slightly, the angle of the spring is going to change. If the panard bar is out of adjustment or maybe gets bent in a wreck, the angle of the spring is going to change. So if there was a rule, which there's not, he made it clear it's an unwritten rule, which is apparently a thing now, right? If it was a rule, there would have to be a tolerance. So in the Midwest Mod Division, they have an angle rule for the lower control arms. And the rule is they have to be within five degrees of each other on angle. So if the left rear is at seven, the right rear can be no more than 12 or no less than two. They have to be within five degrees. Here, there's no tolerance. He was asked by individuals, okay, so what do you mean by they need to be the same? Do they both need to be tipped in on top? Do they both need to be tipped to the left? Do they both need to be tipped to the right? Do they both need to be straight up and down? Guys, no answer. No answer, okay? He was asked, is there a tolerance? How many degrees do they got to be within of each other? Is it got to be within five degrees, 10 degrees? I mean, do they both have to be straight? Is there enough variance? And he's like, well, that one was a lot. Well, there's got to be a number, right? They either got to be exactly the same or there has to be a tolerance. He couldn't answer. He said, well, I don't, I don't have an answer for you on that. So if you're out porting your heads, right? If you're in a modified super stock, Krause maybe going to get a hold of old uh, Breeze over there, have him port and polish his cylinder heads. If you only do it a little bit, probably okay. Just don't do it a lot, right? Well, what are we talking about? You either can or you cannot. We got to have a number. No clarification. Why did he have no answer? Guys, it's never been a rule. The Superstock class, the rules have been the same since like freaking mid-90s. It hasn't changed. In the history of the class, there's never been one driver um, kicked out, black or disqualified anything because of angle of springs. So you're telling me that in 30 years of racing or whatever the heck it's been, I guess 93, yeah, 30 years of racing, you're, tell you're telling me that nobody's ever angled their springs? What are you talking about? I've had plenty of supers, Jeff, you have too, that you buy a super stock, you put the springs in, and they're not facing the same direction one is brand new from the chassis builder. Some are by design. Some are just not very good with the tape. Okay. We've seen it all, right? So if one car is illegal, Jeff, how many how many super stocks would you say would be legal according to this mindset? <laughs> I would put that there's probably uh 95% of us would be DQ'd this weekend. I would say I, I've seen them all. I've seen all I was we've seen it. You've been in the supers for years. I've started racing supers in 1997. And like you said. The class really hasn't changed. 
um, suspension wise stuff changed. We've had one engine for all these years. Um, we'd all get DQ. Okay. Cause like I said, you know, a lot of guys run those tall, affordable springs, the 16 inch springs and you shrink it down and it warps a little bit. Um, it's got a little bow to it. It's just, it's just the way it is. And like you said, you move your rear end a little bit and the spring's going to tip in or it's going to tip out. So uh, I'd say probably at least, uh, I suppose 95% of us aren't going to be able to race this weekend. Um, according to uh, if Dexon got DQ'd, there might, there's probably going to be zero super stocks racing this weekend. Yeah, 100% agree. Now, <clears throat> let's back this up. Red flag number one. This particular track tech guy DQ's one driver, not the other, for the same thing that he feels is an infraction. Step number two. Rules are not meant to be subjective. They have to be clearly written, and they got to be black and white. Here's what you can do. Here's what you cannot do. If you have rules that are subjective, you're going to have tech guy A going, well, it looks good to me. I think it's fine. And the next tech guy is going to be like, well, I think it's illegal. Well, that's a problem. Okay. That's all. That's all. You got to fix that. Right. And then the process. So they say there's no appeal. So the appeal process used to be that you get together and you appeal it to the board of directors of Wasota. Nothing against the board of directors, but they don't know anything about race cars. Nor should they. They're run, trying to run the day-to-day -day operations. They're doing other things, okay? It's not their job, okay, to, to do that. But that used to be the case. And their answer, guys, used to be, well, we kind of have to go with our tech guy here. And, and that, you know, whatever he says, we're just going to do it because they didn't even know what half the parts were. So now they have a tech committee. They've had this for a couple of years. It's comprised of kind of a mix of people. There's some tech guys. There is uh, some people that are experts in you know, engines, there's some people that were on the chassis side of it, some people with engineering backgrounds, <clears throat> kind of a multitude of people, right? So the the way it should go, because guys, you can't have a conversation, right? An adult conversation with Bill Engelstead. The minute that you disagree with the guy, he flies completely off the handle. He's irrational, unprofessional, and you're getting nowhere. Waste of oxygen, okay? What it should be, is you have the appeal process, the committee, whether it's on Zoom or in person, gets together. The, the person that's getting, you know, black or disqualified can present their argument. The tech guy and or Billy Engelstad, both of them can present their side on why the DQ was there. The committee then can get together as a panel of experts and say, well, based on the information we have, the appeal process, we're going to either reinstate the win or we're going to stick to the disqualification. It can't, Bill Engel, whether it's me, Jeff, Burt, or Bill Engelstad, right? Any one of us being the head of a soda teching, nobody should have that kind of power to where they can make up a rule, enforce the rule, and then they're the person you talk to to appeal the rule. That don't even make sense. Okay. That, that just, that, that, and there's no common sense to be had there. <clears throat> so the tech committee should have the ability to oversee that make the decision. Somebody has to oversee what Billy's doing, present that to the board. The board makes the ultimate decision. Now, the minute he said, I'm talking the second that he said, well, it's an unwritten rule. End of discussion. There's no such thing. That's not even a thing. What are we talking about? So this whole deal is just, uh, it's, it's a gong show, right? So, I'm hopeful, right? I know that they're they're uh, working on it with the Wasota board right now. They're trying to get justification for this. They're trying to get that win reinstated. And uh, 
hopefully they can get through to some of these board members because let's face it, the board members have ultimate power, right? So looking at this, guys, many, many times Bill Engelstead has been abusing his power. Okay, here's a couple facts for you. Dennis McCauley got removed from the Soda board less than a month ago because of cited um, attitude. He's a bully. He's a meanie, right? He's, you know, he didn't, he was too blunt. He was too bold with people and was given opinions where they weren't asked for. Okay, that's fine. Disagree with it totally, but he was let go. There is simply not one person in the history of Wasota Racing that has been more unprofessional and more belligerent than Bill Engelstad. That person simply does not exist. Every driver knows it. Every promoter knows it. Half the fans know it. The pit crews know it. The sponsors know it. This guy cannot have an adult conversation without flipping out and flying off the handle. I don't know if you guys know this, but he created this job. He was the president of Wasota, created the technical position job as a paid position, and then resigned. Well, I, that ain't a conflict of interest. I'm just saying he misused funds, misused Wasota funds, never got fired. That's a fact. That happened. Um, he literally, guys, Ashland, ABC Raceway, a few years back, there was an A-mod driver that put a B-mod engine in his car because his A-mod engine blew up. And he put, I think he put an aluminum intake and a four-barrel on his B-mod motor. He got a 30-day suspension, a $1,000 fine from Bill Engelstad for having a B-mod engine and an A-mod. That is literally how ignorant this individual is, right? I had countless numbers of people um, reach out to me today saying, he disqualified me for this. We had to actually fight it because he didn't even know what he was looking at. I don't have a problem. I'm not saying that any tech guy is going to know absolutely everything there is to know about all the cars. There's eight classes. Some of the, some of the classes have three or four engine options. I get it. But that's where the committee comes into place. He can't have all the power. The committee as a whole working together is what this needs. So Dennis McCauley was removed, yet Bill Engelstead is still an employee? I don't know. This this uh, this doesn't seem right. And you guys remember we talked about this, Bert, multiple times. Remember the whole teching debacle at the Gondic Law Speedway in Superior a couple of years ago? So Dexton Cook is battling. He's battling hard. He's trying to win a national championship, right? That and that don't make him any more special than a guy that races, you know, a few nights a month. Okay. But I, I kind of got a soft spot for some points chasers. I just do. Now would you agree that the amount of wins, Krause, you're a super stock guy. Do you think it could come down to the wire between him and Shane Sebraski, maybe Trevor Nelson for 90? Well, absolutely. It's uh, over the past years, and even dating back to you and Mr. Moss and Kurt Myers and Tim Johnson, um, even recently Kevin Burdick and uh, Shane, it could come down very, very easily could come down to one point. Yeah, one misguided, one mistake by a tech official wrongly disqualifying somebody could cost a driver a national championship. We can't have that happen, okay? So to end this all, you can't, you can't have unwritten rules and disqualify people for unwritten rules. You can't be belligerent. You can't be unprofessional. This guy's got to go, but at the very least, at the very least, Dexton Cook's got to get this win back. So I hope this don't fall on deaf ears, but... Carlos, I know you've had some some run-ins with Billy yourself. You know, I remember I was at the Viking Speedway. I think it was uh, during one of the specials. I believe I was down there. Why don't you tell them about your uh, 
his level of professionalism at the Viking Speedway. Well, we uh, he used to always come down when we had the Minnesota Mod Nationals. Um, he came down, and I think I got second. I think the 7A beat me, probably like he beats everybody else. Um, but I pull into the tech shed, and um, I stop, and all of a sudden, wham! I'm like, what in the world just happened? And I, all of a sudden, I hear yelling and screaming. And I turn around, and my crew chief at the time, Shane Rosh, who his son, Bailey Rosh, races a super stock now, screaming. He, him and Billy Anglestead are in a screaming match in the tech shed, and I had no idea what happened. So I get out, and like, Shane, what's going on? He kicked our car. I said, what do you mean he kicked our car? He flat out, he didn't Blair Walsh it because he actually connected. Um, he uh, Fouad Revez flat out kicked the quarter panel of my car because it was back in the day. Remember when the two-inch wheel well was a big thing? You had to have two inches of wheel well clearance between your tires, and he kicked my car. I mean, flat out booted, kicked my car, and uh, pulling the tech shit. And I'm like, I'm sitting there going, well, wait a minute. Was, you know, the head tech was soda. He come by and talk to me, say, hey, Jeff, uh, you know, you're – your your uh, wheel well's not two inches. You should maybe fix that. They were screaming at each other, and he finally calmed down. And then you know we had a little fun with him, and I got a hold of a graphic company, and we uh, we got a boot print, and we put Billy E right on the side of my car where he kicked the car. So um, he just like he said, the big thing is professionalism. Um, you just can't be doing stuff like that. And I you said it earlier, it's consistency, Ryan. And we want to see consistent. And, we're fortunate enough over in my area. We got a uh, Gene Cockleman's the head tech guy over in this area. I think he does an awesome job. Um, he, you know, he handles I-94 Viking Speedway, and he doesn't do Madison, but he's been with Madison and Montevideo and KRA. Um, he, I think he does an absolutely awesome job because it's it, it's a super tough job. Um, and he does a good job, and um, I actually. We had late models at Viking Speedway this last weekend, and I don't know the late model tire rules. I got—I don't think anybody does. It's, hey, June 16th, the new tires, or is it Ju July 16th, or what's going on? And I went over to Gene, and I had Nick Panitsky contact me and say, hey, what's what tire rule are you guys running? I'm like, Nick, I, I got no idea. I'm not a late model guy, so I got to hold my tech guy, and can you sipe the fronts? Can you not sipe the rears? And there's a July 16th date where you can still sipe up until then. And then um, I told Gene that, and Gene goes, well, there's no such thing as a July 16th date. I said, Gene, go on the Wasota website. It's under the tech updates, July 16th. He went and looked and said, I was never notified. I wasn't told. I didn't get an email. I didn't see anything about this July 16th. So he didn't even know about it. So there was no communication there from the head tech guy too. So uh, it's a tough deal. We just want to see consistency. That's the big thing with it. And, and professionalism, uh, professionalism and consistency with the teching. And like I said, we're fortunate enough to have Gene, so we don't have to deal with Billy down in our area. Um, but that's, you know, the big thing is you got to get everybody on the same page and Hey, it's pretty simple to have a zoom call. And I would assume there's going to be a tech release coming out this week about the super stocks, um, especially after this whole deal. And now you're going to have everybody scrambling. What's going to go on? Is someone else going to get DQ'd? Now you got a bunch of super stock guys that are worried. So um, that's, you know, big thing is get consistency and then communication. Head tech guys got to communicate with everybody. Yeah. And, and here's the deal. I'm a firm believer. You can't just put that tech update and, on the website, right? I'm a, there's 200 some drivers. The, the Wasota office has everybody's contact info that has a Wasota license. Okay. If there's a super stock or a late model or whatever class it is, if there's a tech update, they should, there should be a text message and an email go to every driver, every manufacturer, chassis builder, 
every track promoter should get it. Every tech guy should get it. So that way everybody gets it. People shouldn't have to go hunting for it. There's a lot of people that race very part-time and it's something they, they try to fit in around everything else they do in life. They should be very, they should very much be communicating that to the masses as efficiently as they can. So Bert, a little bit of drama here this past week. Uh, any, I, I, any closing thoughts on from your end over there? Yeah, I have a few thoughts. And, you know, I'm kind of the outsider looking in, you know, because I don't deal with Wasota like you guys do on a regular basis. And, um, I mean, first of all, to me, if it's not in the rule book, you're right. It's not a rule. I mean, p- drivers, at least in eastern Wisconsin, we're more IMCA. Um, you know, they're told to make sure that you read your your rule book when you when you build your cars. So you build them properly. And if you build a, a, it sounds like if you build it according to the Wasota rule book, you're still going to get disqualified because there is unwritten rules. I mean, there's always a concern about the gray area in the rule books. Well, this isn't even a gray area if there's unwritten rules. I mean, that's just uh like you said, they can just make up anything they want as they go along if, if that's how it actually happened. And yeah, that that's not right to to do it that way. I mean, if it's not in the rule book, it's not a rule. If it's in the rule book, it's a rule. And it's scary, right? Because you know, you're racing all of a sudden you you're spending your time, your money, you know, you're you're getting after this deal. You go out and win a race, and I don't care if it's two hundred dollars to win or five thousand, right? You want to race. You're trying to win, right? And all of a sudden, you think that your car is good to go. You think you're legal. You think you're by the letter of the law. And next thing you know, you get disqualified. And I'm telling you, that's that, that can't happen, right? That is absolutely something that cannot happen. So the it's scary because what next? If they're going to make this rule up, what rule are they going to interpret a different way next time? So, well, and. And like what Jeff said, all you want is consistency. And that's the purpose of a rule book is so that the tech inspector in in the Dakotas views the situation the same as a tech inspector in northern Wisconsin and Minnesota. You know, that's the whole purpose of a rule book. But if you're going to apply unwritten rules that aren't in the rule book, well, that just throws all that out the window. Absolutely. So. Let's jump on to our next topic here. Top five moments of the week. Let's shed some positivity on things. Of course, brought to you by our friends over at Daytona One Performance Lubricants. Um, On our Facebook page, um, I I believe earlier today, um, a video went up. We actually had Buck, Chad, a couple drivers, Brad Staples, uh, Chris Wilkie. They jumped on board, talked about the products they have to offer, talked about the tire treatment, talked about a couple of the Gen X late model drivers are using those products. They're talking about that. But uh, the concept here, save people money. Tires cost way too much. If you can have a product out there for about 10 bucks a tire, they can actually allow you to run tires for more nights at a competitive level. Is it worth getting a little, little information? Watch the Facebook video that we have or get a hold of chat. Um, 507-828-3536 and chat can get you some information on Daytona One Performance Lubricants tire treatment products. So number five, guys, I got to be honest, I'm going to go modified here, but I was torn, right? There's there a couple races. I'm like, there was a couple dandies in the modified, a couple pretty good tracks. And I, 
I had to pick one, right? But I'll give the honorable mention to uh, the A-Main over at the Red Cedar Speedway in Menominee. A good racing surface this past Friday. Uh, the human highlight reel, Kevin Buzzy Adams with a last lap pass on Kennedy Swan to get the win. Now, probably would have put it in the top five, but Buzzy, guy, picking on a girl. Seriously? I mean, <laughs> what are we doing here, right? And let's face it, that, uh, that girl is one hell of a race car driver. She's going to get some wins, but Buzzy doing Buzzy things, driving around her on the high side. Pretty exciting race over there in Menominee. But the race, I actually attended this one. I was at the Gondeklaas Speedway this past weekend, and it had to have been the last 10, maybe 12 laps. But Jody Belfi had an absolute Donnybrook with uh, Daryl Nelson side-by-side, swapping the lead. I mean, you literally had no idea who was going to win. I mean, it was an absolute unbelievable race. Great racing surface over there in Superior, Wisconsin. And uh, I probably put it a little higher because I don't know if you guys heard the post-race uh, interview that he had there, but specifically in post-race, he said, well, yeah, Ryan Aho said, you know, I'm on the not hot list. So had to do some testing, get this thing a little faster. I'm like, I got to get half the check, right? That's how this deal works. Not hot list. You pick up speed. Congratulations, Jody Belfi. Let's see if you can get a few more this week. Number four, Ross, I'll let you take this one. Cedar Lake Speedway, month of money. Your winner. The winner of Dex and Cook, that is? I'm going to go with that. I, I'm hopeful that Dex and Cook is still going to be the winner. I'm hopeful. But did you get to watch that race? That was, that was no, a good race. I didn't. Obviously, we were, we were running at Viking on Saturday, and we um, we got done really early, and then a bunch of late model guys came over my trailer. We were watching the uh, Kings Royal in my trailer, and then we tried catching the Rumble, and then that got over, and then we were flipping over to Mod Wars. That was still going on. We were trying to find the best race we could watch, but no, I didn't. I just, like I said, I knew, um, I knew it was going on, and then um, I'm pretty sure you texted me right away about with Dexon with the DQ. So um, I know um, Dex ended up getting the win in an affordable. And I'm pretty sure Tommy Richards is in an affordable too, is he not? Yep, yep. But he cleared tech because they, they checked carburetors on the other three guys. <laughs> and then they, from what I heard, and then they checked Dex and Springs. So uh, maybe if they have, uh, I would assume Tommy Richards. Um, there's not too much different in all the affordables out there. They're pretty much the same, but uh, I did not get a chance to watch a race, but obviously a pretty good performance from Dex and passing some really good cars going from 12th to first. Absolutely. And, and great run for Tommy Richards too. I mean, a second place finish in that deal is, I mean, nothing to shake a stick at right now. He's declared the winner. I'm hopeful that's going to get changed. Nothing against Tommy Richards. I just, I just think it's wrong what happened here, but guys, the first lap or I think it was the first lap. There was a wreck. Oh, I mean, the video didn't show it good. Some in-car camera video um, that was a separate video. But Ryan, remember a couple weeks back, Bert, Ryan and Russell Kostriba had a great race over at the Viking Speedway, duking it out for the win. Well, Ryan Kostriba got caught up in one, and he folded the tent on that thing. Glad he was okay. Clearly a safe race car that he's in. I think it's an affordable, but, man, it was a, that was a hard one right there. But great racing at Cedar Lake. Number three. Um, did you guys, I'm guessing both of you watched this one. Bert, did you see the race with the old, uh, did you watch all the national late model races? Not all of them. Are you uh, going to talk about the uh, 157? I am. I'm not. I'm <laughs> I did watch that one. I did watch one. that one. All right. So number three, what happened there? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Mike Marlar, uh, this was at uh, 
what track was it? It was in Kentucky. Ponderosa. Ponderosa. Yeah. And uh, he started 22nd in the feature and uh, went, got all the way to the front and, and won it late in the race. And uh, it was actually a special victory for him because it was a memorial race uh, for somebody who sponsored his car back in 2009 and 2010. Uh, he said in his uh, uh, victory lane speech. So, uh, you know, I watched that race and uh, he got up to ninth in the first 26 laps without any, there were no cautions in the first 26 laps and he got up to ninth and then there were several cautions the rest of the way that helped him get to the front. And there's a tire issue too. Uh, there are several drivers who were uh, having right rear tires going flat. <laughs> Speaking of tires, before I get a question on this, Frost, did you see Ron Mader's tire from Cedar Lake? I did. I saw it. Uh, looks like a delaminated. Um, I know IMCA has been having an issue with that. I don't know if you saw that video online, um, yep. but it looks like that thing. I don't know if it wasn't cured long enough or what, but it looks like about, geez, about a quarter of that tire completely delaminated. Do you think if they raise the tires another 9% or so, they can maybe fix that? Well, it'll be nine and nine is what, 18%? <laughs> um, who knows? Maybe they'll actually start sending us a good tire. So, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it's 9%'s got nothing to do with it. So, but I mean, you can't, um, I, I am seeing a huge problem. Um, and it's just, it's just a black eye right now towards Hoosier. It's just what people are going to say, whether it's a fault or whatever it is. And sure, it's just a fluke, but Hoosier's going to take the black eye. Absolutely. So, that was a great race, but there was a comment. Uh, JD was actually over at Eldora for the million for the sprint cars. And uh, so Mike Marler, undoubtedly 22nd to first. I mean, that's impressive. That's a, I mean, that's worth the price of admission. That's a hell of a show. That's highly entertaining, right? What was JD's thoughts on, you know, where drivers should start? Well, here's the deal. If JD watched, if JD watched the fans, um, I have never seen a grandstand. When Mike Marler crossed that checkered flag, mm -hmm. I don't, Bert, I don't, I'm sure you saw this. That place went absolutely crazy and jd made the comment at the million that the fans don't want to see or the fans want to see all the fast guys start up front well nope. jd i have your hat, <laughs> i have your shirt the fans do not want to see you come out starting on the pole okay they wanted to see mark and mike Miller does not want to start 22nd all us drivers are going to admit that okay he wasn't very good but uh performance of the year for me right now absolutely i mean he you gotta remember he drove by Madden, Brandon Shepard, and Bobby Pierce for the win. I mean, he, that's some lumber he's going through there, some big-time lumber. I don't think Bobby Pierce has been passed very much in the last no. in the last uh, few months, so to speak. So um, that grandstand, that was my big takeaway from that. That grandstand went absolutely crazy. And, yes, Jonathan Davenport, you are wrong. The fans want to see the fast guys in the back. I, absolutely. I agree with Jeff. I mean, that, the grandstands just went crazy. It, and it was a standing room only grandstand because the race was actually delayed just a little bit because they let some of the spectators in the grandstand go to the infield to watch the race because they had uh, so many fans there. Yeah, that, that was that was crazy. And that could have easily been number one, right? But we got a couple more here that, that were, I mean, obviously that kind of top it in our area. But uh, – Aberdeen, Brown County Speedway. They had the Rumble. Krause, I know you watched this one. What stuck out to you from the Dakota Rumble? Well, I think the big thing was, uh, to me, was Chase Gelling. 
I mean, there was a lot of moments there, but, um, and I don't know, Chase, I've met Kurt a few times, um, you know, and I know obviously Chase is getting, got a big name to fill there with the Gelling name, but, you know, winning one of the features um, and then leading some of that race to start, I thought he did a good job. And then, um, you know, I think, I think that final lap, I think, I don't know. I was going to text Mr. Searing today and say, if it would have been 10 grand to win, would you have uh, used all four tires up on uh, TPO coming for the checkered, but great race uh, with Chad Becker um, Chase was up there for a while and uh, Tyler Peterson and then Cole Searing got in there at the end um, and had a chance. I think Cole was going for the bang board job. I really do. I think he was going to super stock him out of the way um, coming for, was it 6,363 to win? And, um, I think he realized he wasn't going to get there and he made the right move to uh, get into him. He had to slow down because if he would have spun himself out or spun TPO, he would have went from six grand or three, four grand down to start money. So um, super great race. Uh, looked like a good crowd and uh, it was good to see, uh, good to see uh, just a great, awesome race for 6,300 to win. You know, I was surprised too, because last year it latched up, right? I mean, the uh, Bryce Lord wanted a good job and it latched up. And, and the track was actually the beginning of the year in Aberdeen, the track was awful. They struggled. And over the last month, they really got that thing going well. You know, and I got to say the track prep crew did a good job here at the rumble, you know, entertaining races throughout two classes probably helped that as well. But Tyler Peterson's, I tell you what, man, he's been on a mission um, winning the second a main for the NLRA show. And then of course, winning the rumble um, super good racing, great run by searing as well. Bert, did you watch the Dakota Rumble this year? I did not watch any of it, but I will say that I think TPO has taken pretty well to the late model. Yeah, he's <laughs> kind of got it figured out, I think. I mean, he's a wheel man. I've been told before, if you can win in one class, you can win in another. And, I mean, he was fresh off 30 wins in a Wasota Amod last year. I mean, there was no doubt he was going to transition in, but I didn't think it was going to be quite this good. I mean, he's been extremely good. And then, of course, the big one this past weekend. Anytime you race for a million dollars, the winner of that's got to go number one. Did you boys watch uh, Eldora? Yeah, I did. Uh, fortunate enough, when it's a Wednesday, Thursday deal, you can watch pretty much about every lap. So uh, my takeaway, I'm, I'm still torn about the format. I'm not, I'm not sold about the format they did there. I, I think with the, uh, with, with the double wheel of misfortune, um, that they did on Wednesday, um, inverting heats, and then the the you know the two features. Um, I'm glad they didn't do the Wheel of Fortune like they do with the late models for the heat lineups for Thursday show, um, because I'm 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 a firm believer of you earned you earned your right to start on the pole of the heat for doing well on Wednesday and Thursday qualifying heat race and your features. So I'm still a little torn about that. I'm still a little torn about the fuel stop and the new tires and breaking that race up. I, I, um, you race for a million dollars. You want to be woed at the end of the night. Um, and I'm not sure how many people were woed at the end of the million sprint car race. Right. I, I'd agree with that. Now, with that said, you know, in case anybody missed it, Logan Schuhart, shark racing, um, scruff Bobby Allen's grandson, parking it in victory lane. Um, Pennsylvania guy, but he's a World of Outlaw regular. We might talk about that in just a minute. But, uh, of course, uh, the Kings Royal was Saturday, and uh, we call him a local guy. He's kind of a local guy, right? He's out of Fargo, but Donnie Schatz, 10-time champ, $175,000 payday on Saturday. Kind of give him a beatdown. So 
couple big paydays there over at uh, the Big E. Bert, anything stick out to you from Eldora? Uh, well, I watched uh, all the heat races on, uh, what was it? The first night of racing for the million. And I will say, um, uh, well, actually, it was the next night when they created all the junk. I mean, they created a lot of junk. And I, I actually saw a post on Facebook, the Eldora million, meaning a million dollars in, in uh, sprint car <laughs> damage. And, uh, but, uh, and then also one of my friends shared with me uh, a Facebook page where there's, there's fan complaints about, you know, the lack of passing uh, in the heat races on the final night. And then also in, in the feature. And um, I was really looking forward to watching the million and it just didn't seem to with all the accidents and that, I mean, that first heat race took 31 minutes to run and you had cars running out of fuel because the, the heat race took so long. Um, I just don't think the event as a whole lived up to, to, to its name. And, um, you know, but I mean, obviously a track can't control, you know, what drivers do on the track. All they can do is prepare the track. So um, would you, would you rather the late models for a million or the sprint cars for a million? The well, late models. I, that's my opinion. I don't, the sprint cars are so hard to do because they can't run more than 30 green flag laps or 40 tops. So um, I, I just thought the late models, I, I would go with the late models and I, I love sprint cars. Sprint cars put on an awesome show every week. I'd have to go with the late models. I would agree with that, but I mean, some people, some people call me a late model guy, so I guess that's not surprising, but, uh, you know, and with the sprint, you know, I've watched more sprint car racing in the last couple of years than I have, you know, in a long time. And, um, you know, still, whenever there's a roll on the track, it's always gotta be, you know, there's a red flag. So then you got to push all the cars off again when they get started. So, you know, that helps in, uh, um, creating a 30-minute heat race. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you guys as well. So let's jump out of a little who's hot and who's not. Brought to you by our new sponsor, Fastlane Motorsports and Powder Coating of Ashland, Wisconsin. Home of the Galloper chassis, but they don't just build race cars. They do custom fabricating of any kind. They do powder coating, sandblasting. They service many racetracks up there. The, the parts vendor, Chris Bredding, a great guy, give you the shirt off his back. So check them out, Fastlane Motorsports for all your racing needs and for all your fabricating needs. So really quick here, guys, who's hot? Um, whether it's national, local, both. What do you got? Bert, let's start with you. Who's hot? Uh, well, or uh, national, I'm going to go with uh, Bobby Pierce. Uh, even though he didn't get the victory, you know, Marler got him at the end. Uh, still ran second in that race. Uh, he won last Monday night. Uh, uh, can't remember where they're racing. He won at Deer Creek before that and he won he won the last world of outlaw race before they started racing again this this past week so uh i'm gonna go with bobby pierce you got anybody on the local side or are you just sticking with one just one Prouse, who do you got uh we got to go with mike marlar um just with that performance then he won the week before too in, in fargo um, so, and I think he's starting, you know, he was really good last year for a big stretch there too. And I think he had a little bit of a slow start, um, this year, but now I think he's really starting to come on. So 
Um, I think uh, Mike Marlar. And then uh, locally, it's got to be Tyler Peterson. I mean, uh, with, with a late model, uh, he won in his mod uh, on that Thursday show, the IRA Sprint show up at I-94. Um, and um, actually, uh, the who's not Jason Tennis kind of gave him a run for his money there a little bit. It was actually a decent race. Thought JT was going to uh, get him there. That was a good race. So definitely Tyler Peterson locally and uh, Mike Marlar nationally. Yeah, and, and Tyler Peterson, I mean, six of his last eight and the other two were seconds. So, I mean, yeah, you're, you're spot on there. I'm going to go with Jake Tim um, over at the Mod Wars in Ogilvy. I mean, a first, a second, and a first. I mean, that was absolutely unbelievable performance by Jake Tim. Really probably could have won the second night too. Um, had a legitimate shot to get that one done, but what a weekend for Jake Tim. Good to see a Minnesota guy run so good at that event. Kevin Burdick leading the KME deal. He's got two wins on the past week in the Dirty 30. And then in the Mod 4 division, TB81 guys, Tommy Bowden, he's coming for the old silver bullet. He won seven of his last nine. Now, in the Mod 4 division in Wasota, they take your top 20 shows. Dean Larson's been making regular trips out west. He's already got 20 wins on the year. TB81's got 11, and he's coming. It's going to be interesting in the Mod 4s, no matter where Dean Larson might be racing. Bert, who's not? Um, I'm going to go with Dennis Erb Jr. I mean, he's a defending champion in the world of outlaws. Uh, I think we all agreed, though, that he wasn't going to de defend his title this year. Uh, you know, it seems like there's a, a better crop of drivers in the world of outlaws series this year. And um, it's kind of showing in Erb Jr.'s results. You know, he, he's just not finishing in, in the top like, like he did last year when he won the championship. Anybody on the local side or are you sticking with that one? Um, I'm going to go locally. I'm going to go um, with Tyler Sobieszczak. He's an IMCA Sport Mod driver, races weekly at Shano Speedway. Um, veteran in a division. I think you, his goal entering the season was to win a championship there. And he blew a motor like the first week. And uh, I think he had motor problems the second week. Uh, but during the season, he he put, rolled off like three or four straight feature wins pulled to within 10 points of the, of uh, the points lead. And last week he was running third clipped the front tire with his left front. So he, he had the Scott Bloomquist set up. Then he kept racing. Uh, he was able to hold his position and then with two laps to go, he blew his engine. So um, it, he's just had a, he's had a very up and down season and, Last week was not a, not a good one for him. Well, let's see if we can work some magic on him. Coach, what do you got? <laughs> um, you know, I don't really pay attention to the who's not hot. <laughs> um, but um, I am going to take somebody who I had on that list was Donnie Schatz. And um, I'm taking credit for his win because I did <laughs> have a T-shirt. I wore his T-shirt on, on the show last week. Okay. Plus I had him on the not hot list. So I am going to take credit for Donnie Schatz's King Royal win. Um, and then an update, you know, Jason Tennis is getting a little faster. And then, um, you know, the 29 machine finally finished the show, Ryan. Um, I, even though I, I started up front and wheeled it all the way up to fourth. I pulled the hot car. I started up front and wheeled it all the way up to fourth. Um, but at least the car ran decent. Um, now I get the thing to handle a little bit better. So I think the, the who's not hot list is starting to turn around for me. All right, do not tip the right rear spring in unless they tell you that you can. Don't do that. <laughs> let, let you know ahead of time. Uh, not I'm hot list for me, 
71A, I, I, I made two laps, got, got in the car, <laughs> made two laps and hot laps, scattered an engine, and it was a parts failure. I wasn't really sure what happened. Uh, so on the Concept Motors, they got you got to run a scat rod deal, and they come with stock. They come with rod bolts already in them. Well, it sounds like those rod bolts have been an issue. Guys, get this. So, Pros, you know a little bit about engines. Engine was still running, still at oil pressure, still at fluid, right? Rod comes out the side of the pan, doesn't hurt the block, the crank, the rods, the piston. Nothing got hurt except for the pan and that rod. That is super lucky. Oh. So, yeah, you can maybe get that one back <clears throat> together. Another couple guys I have here, Johnny Broking. Um, yeah, he's got some wins. He's parked in victory lane a few times, but didn't talk to him. Car don't look fast. Doesn't look right. Something ain't right with that 45J. Hopefully he can figure that out. I picked him on our pickums to win tonight in Hibbing. We're doing this show on, uh, I guess it's Tuesday. So we'll see if old Johnny Broking can find some speed and some balance with that lethal. And then Jesse Glenn's the old uh, X Factor. X Factor turned into non-factor. I'm a Jesse Glenn's guy. I like Jesse Glenn's. I want to see him win. He's barely raced. He's not following this X-Star deal. Probably be at Cedar Lake on Saturday. He's in the SSR car, right? Got to race more to accelerate that learning curve. But I, I, I'm just not confident. He did have a good run the one night, but I'm just not confident he's going to be much of a factor in 2023. So, a little fan feedback. One one question from we had a bunch a bunch of questions come out um, on on the uh, on the Facebook post that we put out. But buyracerch.com, Quick shout out to them if you need hats, shirts, hoodies, apparel, jackets. Whether it's for your race team, your sponsors, your club, get a hold of Jordan and the crew at buyracerch.com for all your apparel needs. But Dan asked me a question um, in regards to teching, since it's kind of a topic of this week's show is it seems like there's probably more teching at bigger paying shows than there is at weekly shows. And it's hard. It's hard to find a, a lot of tracks have struggles, even finding somebody to do the job. I get it. But at one point, Jeff, you remember there was a time when they actually were going to have traveling tech guys. Wasoda was going to staff three or four tech officials that were going to travel from track to track and do more of an enhanced teching, not just, deck height or roof rake or whatever they were going to show up and they were actually going to viably tech race cars whatever happened with that you know i really i really don't know i think the um i think that may kind of came down to a covid deal and then um and then the lack of tech people i would assume um just to get people to go do that because i know you know i know that they wanted to get the west on board and when i talk west i'm talking montana wyoming um, you know, and get get everybody on board. And I know Gene, our tech guy around here, was was big on that and and traveling around a little bit and getting all these guys and doing seminars. And um, I know the seminar got canceled this this year for some reason. Um, but getting everybody on board. So you know, I'm not, I'm not too sure. And I know, like I said, I know Billy used to be get around a lot more. Um, he used to all of a sudden pop up and you know he'd show up to the Little Dream and he'd he'd show up to the Minnesota Mod Nationals and he'd get to all these places and. I haven't seen him in a few years other than the Wissota 100. And we all wait to go tech our cars at the 100. When he's not there, you have someone spy and say, hey, Billy left, and you pull in there quick. So, um, <laughs> so who knows? I don't know. I, I don't know what went down with that deal. Well, if you, I remember watching, like, several big races, and Bert can maybe elaborate over on Eastern Wisconsin, but I know when IMCA has some of their, like, the Boone Super Nationals and stuff like that, drivers are getting teched. They're literally taking engines out of cars, right, and checking the cams and the engines, and they're, like, doing full techs. 
that doesn't happen in Wasota, right? So um, maybe it's a manpower deal. I don't know what what the story is, but do you think there's a need for more teching on on key items, whether it be weekly racing or on big shows? Uh, well, just to touch on uh, kind of what happens in eastern Wisconsin, uh, I mean, each track has the IMCA tech guy that, you know, will tech after heat races and after the features. But, yeah, when there's a big special, then they really tech the cars pretty hard. Uh, like um, 141 Speedway, when they have their 10,000 win shows, um, the top 10 in points, the, well, like, just for an example, tonight, it's Tuesday night, um, the IMCA Stock Car 10,000 to win show at, at heat races are tonight. So at, at the end of the heat races, the top 10 in passing points will be called to one particular area. They have to bring their cars there. And then they, yeah, I mean, they're they're taking shocks off, looking at rear ends, looking at motors. I mean, they, they do a pretty extensive job of teching to make sure that that uh, they're they're legal. And then same thing for the top five cars tomorrow night after the 10,000 to win feature. I mean, they'll, the track tech is there. And I think there's some other IMCA techs that are also there um, doing the teching at these big shows. Do they, I don't even see that at the 100. Do you Jeff? Yeah, I don't I, no, but uh, you know, here, I got a question for you. Why are we teching just the big shows? Yeah. Cause now you get next. Oh, that you get Dex and Cook shows up to Big Show and gets DQ'd. Well, if he would have got teched it, not nothing against KRA, but say he get runs, he runs KRA Thursday, and Gene said, "Hey, you know what? Your springs are better get those tilted back. You know, before you show up to all these big shows and get DQ'd. You know, go to Little Dream and get DQ'd. Well, that's you're talking twenty four, twenty five thousand dollars. So, um, like I said, I think, like I said, we're fortunate enough around here where, um, you know we have a gene and he's you get all your stuff, your ducks in a row, so to speak, before you get to the 100. Um, but I think you need to think you need to have your ducks in a row before you go to these big shows. So teching needs to be done. I think more thoroughly, you know, weekly and you know, then you won't have heartbreak when you go to a big show. Yeah. 100% agreed. And on Gene's defense over at Wilmer and stuff, he probably did look at the rear suspension and being that wasn't a rule. It wasn't an issue. Just throwing that out there. Right. So, Let's jump into the last, actually, uh, our weekly pickums here, boys. Um, brought to you by Impact Health Sharing. So if you're self-employed, right, if you got employees, if you pay for your own health care, hit me up, 218-969-1380. We'll see if we can get you a quick quote, um, some information. No obligations by any means. I'll just get you the information. See if we can save you some money on your health insurance so you can spend a whole lot more money on race cars. So last week, guys, we picked uh, the Lucas races at Davenport and Wheatland, World of Outlaw Sprints. We picked the the Million. We picked the Ponderosa. We picked the World of Outlaw Late Models, Mod Wars, Dakota Rumble, the Super Stocks. That one is pending. Jeff did not put it in the points because that one is still pending, right? <laughs> uh, if, in fact, Dexton is disqualified, I get a point because my guy would have been uh, Jesse Radeski, so that would earn me a point. I'd rather see Dexton get five grand. But Mike... Good old Mike, nine, plus nine for Mike. Dan and Bert, plus seven. Brad and Curtis, plus six. Kent and Carl, plus four. Ryan and Jeff, plus three. Unbelievable. So, so buddy of mine, Nick, actually did the pick too. Uh, 
just kind of a competing with me and he whooped my ass just like everybody else did. So there is that, right? So the standings, Bert Lehman on the top of the heat tied with Curtis really? at 98. <laughs> yep. Mike at 96, Brad at 84, Dan 83, Kent 81, Jeff 74. I'm stuck at 71A and not so hot, I guess, uh, Carl at 66, but he's close. So this week, got a couple races uh, coming up. They're pretty exciting, guys. Houston's this weekend. They got the Go 50 on Thursday. They got the Silver Dollar Nationals uh, Friday, Saturday. Of course, Wednesday is uh, – we're not picking Wednesday's show – but that's the um, repairable vehicles, tri-state late models, the makeup feature from the Ben or the Ben Norder Memorial. Um, the tri-state guys racing for ten thousand dollars. There's a six thousand and a four thousand a win show. World of Outlaw Sprint Cars at Baps and Williams Grove, Mason City, a, a trio of races for the US MTS. Um, Burt's show over there, Clash at the Creek in Eastern Wisconsin. Ten thousand a win for stock cars at one forty one. It's actually, actually King of the Creek. The is mods it King are, of the Creek. Oh, the mods is clash the at mods? the mods is clash at the creek. The I'm say stock cars are King of the Creek, and the sport mods are Captain of the Creek. <laughs> all right, all right. Thank you for the clarification there. All right. See, unlike some people that are employees of a certain organization, I can admit when I'm wrong. It's okay. All right. Thank you. Thank. You. For, thank you for correcting me. Um, XR Northern Storm, right? They got that going on this week. Of course, they raced last night in Ogilvy. Heat races were a little sketchy. Feature races were good. Midwest Mod Race was probably one of the better races I've seen all year. Great race up front there. Jason Vandekamp winning, uh, holding off national uh, point leader Zach Benson. The late models, uh, that was one. Oh, <laughs> it's Ogilvy. Pat Doerr. Duh. Of course, Pat Doerr is almost unbeatable over there. They're in Hibbing tonight. Calverline Speedway and Proctor on Wednesday night. Of course, if you're watching this on Wednesday, that's tonight. Uh, Thursday, they have the 444 Memorial for Tanner by home at the um, ABC Raceway in Ashland, Wisconsin. And then Friday, the Twin Ports 225s. And then the CLS Month of Money on Saturday. So a lot of racing coming up this weekend. Last lap here, brought to you by Dirt Track Supply. I mean, if you need parts, aero chassis, safety equipment, tires, you name it, Ron and Trevor over in Watertown, South Dakota, great ambassadors of the sport. They'll help about anybody else. They've been doing it for a long time at a very high level. Check out Dirt Track Supply in Watertown. So, Bert, you went you went racing this weekend, right? Did you go to – you were at Shano, weren't you? Yes, I was at Shano Speedway on so Saturday. I know there was a little incident in there. You can give us a little recap of what happened, but um, there's a little bit of a – you make the call in the, when you touch on that. I don't know if uh, Kraus saw that or not, but uh, talk a little bit about Shano. Um, yeah, I, I was at Shano Speedway, and um, during the feature, it was probably about mid, mid little past midway of the feature. Um, Andy Carl, who's a rookie in the division, uh, started on the front row and led the first portion of the race, and then Troy Springborn caught him. And coming down the front stretch, Troy got to the inside of him, and was alongside of them as they entered turn one. And um, Carl, I mean, this is the way I saw it, crowded him down into the low low portion of the track. And then Troy clipped the tire with his left front, which forced his car to slide up the track, forcing Carl up the track. And then uh, Carl 
Andy Carl stopped on the track. Troy kept going. Caution came out, and they said it was uh, a racing incident. They go. They both go to the back of the back of the pack. Jeff, did you see that? <laughs> no, I did not. So I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on one more thing. So everything you said is accurate. That's what happened. Now, when when they got to the top of the track, the 61 didn't spin out, didn't get into the fence, just kind of jumped the cushion just a little bit, and literally, and it wasn't like an aggressive cushion where you're up over in the mud. He just literally just like went up to the outside and like stopped. It couldn't have been more obvious, yeah. right? I, I mean, mean, my impression was that he stopped hoping to bring out the caution, hoping he would get his spot back and that 81 would get sent to the back. <laughs> that's what it looked. That's what it looked like to me. And, and uh, I don't know. I, I, I thought maybe at first he had a flat tire or something because he stopped. Well, because well he could have easily kept going. I posted the question on Facebook, you know, because uh, Mike from Mike's video, you know, posted the video and then kind of asked for everybody's opinion. And I said, well, the question is why did, why did the 61 stop on the track? Uh, because if he doesn't stop on the, on the track, there is no caution. Um, somebody replied, well, that's what happens when the motor stalls. Um, so I don't know if that's what they're saying happened. Was that his motor stalled or, or what? Um, but uh, so, yeah. And uh, Troy, let's just say Troy lost his mind after they put him to the back. He pulled into the pits right away because he had he had no front end nose damage. Um, I asked one of his crew members after the, afterwards if he would have been able to continue anyway, you know, with the damage. And he said, well, if he, if he would have been leading, they, he could, could have maybe made it work, but he would have never been able to go through traffic with the way the nose was. Uh, but, yeah, Troy pulled into the pits right away, got out of his car and stormed down into the into the inside pits to talk to the race director and <laughs> the crowd was just going wild. <laughs> nice. Interesting stuff. So Viking Speedway, a little bit of news. Um, I see that they actually um, mentioned, or I guess they put the press release out on who's going to be the new hall of fame members over at the Viking Speedway. Cross, did you happen to see who that is? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, something we started a few years ago and we do two per year. Um, and there's a committee. It's separate. We have one board member who represents uh, Viking Speedway, and they do two per year. And there's criteria. I mean, you they go by track championships, wins. Um, we've put employees in. We put in sponsors in, and two pretty big names getting in the Hall of Fame uh, this this year, and actually in two weeks. Um, Jeff Wildung, um, the longtime late model um, driver, um, national champion, Wasota national champion. Um, um, getting in, he ran a modified two, has been racing for years, huge ambassador to the sport. Um, does a, still does a lot, um, not, not even for racing, but still Viking Speedway. And then John Steppen, um, somebody who uh, I've beat the doors off for 20 years, and and um, we've sent a few hand gestures at each other. Uh, funny story with John Steppen, I'll bring it up here. He came up to me, we were playing um, who's number one down the front straightaway after a race in Viking Speedway. And he finally came up to me and said, Jeff, can we just stop this? Can we, can we just stop telling each other who's number one? And I'm like, you know what, John? And we get along great. And we, and we have. So um, two huge guys going into the Hall of Fame. And it's a it's a huge night. Um, obviously, my dad's in the Hall of Fame there. So it means something to me. And now that I'm on the board, I really get to see. So two huge names going in the Viking Speedway Hall of Fame. 
congratulations. I raced against both. Uh, Jeff Wildlong whooped my ass. I ran in a late model a little bit, and I don't think I ever beat him. Um, John Stepp and I did beat a few times, though. We, we had some pretty good races side by side. Um, remember old Schmitty there? Um, uh, we actually went down to – Ryan Smith, he was president at Viking. So we went down to Montevideo, and uh, he's like – he don't know anything about cars, right? He's like, I'll pit for you. He goes, should we bring tires in the infield? I'm like, I don't get five tires. We're good. First corner, Steve Beach gets into me, left ear flat. I'm like, shit. <laughs> I pull down in the infield. Here comes John Steppen's crew running over. They throw him a tire, right? Put the tire on. I come back and had to work my way up. I get second. I get DQ'd. I'm like, what? I, they put a beadlock on the left rear. I'm like, oh, <laughs> come on, guys. So... I, they 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 were like the step in crew gave me a tire, but I think they gave me the wrong tire. I don't know if that was on purpose or what that was. So little uh little little come on guy moment, right? You know, we talk about the tennises. I don't know if this was I think maybe at I ninety four. Josh Tennis won a heat this week, right? In the modified at um, at Granite City on Sunday. That's what it was. Yeah, uh, won a heat. He got a Dairy Queen new sponsor, Dairy Queen. Uh, gift certificate um what would he do or not do um well i happened to know uh his son and um got a text and we we're talking and he did not go to scale after the um he missed the scale for some reason at granite city and i don't i don't know if josh has ever raced there um viking we didn't have mods so i know they went down there but he forgot to scale he won the 22 mods there. He wins the heat. You're probably looking at um, at least the top four rows there. Ended up starting um, 98th and, and ended up getting in a wreck. Yeah, that cost him right there. Josh, come on, guy. I mean, you know better. Like, what, what are we doing here, right? So a couple other races going on. We talked about the XR Northern Storm modified action. Um, Moonshine Mod Tour going on this week. Um, big happy birthday. My daughter's birthday. It's, it's if you're watching this on Wednesday, July 19th, my daughter's birthday. Happy birthday to my daughter, Whitney. The, the present, I'm actually bringing her to the Prairie Dirt Classic next week. So we're going to go check out Falls. So, I don't know if that's more for me or her because it's my birthday that weekend. So I, I guess um, it's, it's our birthday present to ourselves, right? Um, another thing that happened out at the Brown County Speedway, looking through the results, and I'm like, where's Kent Armin? It's his home track. He helps run the place, right? So my buddy Josh was out there, and he texted me, and he's like, uh, do you hear about Arment? I'm like, no. No, I did not. So he helps run the track. He's one of the promoters in Aberdeen. And I don't know all the particulars, um, but he was on a four-wheeler, and the story I was told is one of the packing trucks and him had contact. Like, if the truck ran into him or I know it all happened, but let's just say that a four-wheeler and a truck battled and the truck won, ended up breaking his collarbone. Um, so probably out for the year. So, uh, you know, best wishes, Cantar Manta. Hopefully he recovers soon. Hopefully he can get back out before the end of the year. Um, one of the best, probably the winningest driver in the state of South Dakota, I would have to say. Uh, Lauren Johnson might be close, but I think Cantar Manta's got to be number one. Um I think that's all we got on the last lap there. Let's unless you guys have anything you want to well, add before we jump into the bowl prediction. I just have one more one more thing to add. Uh, Plymouth Dirt Track in Eastern Wisconsin. Uh, they had late model. They're only racing late model six times this year, and 
One of them was this last weekend and uh, Mitch McGrath, who we've talked about on the show before for, for, uh, you know, he's an aggressive driver. Anyway, uh, he won the feature at Plymouth third track and he, it was actually a really good track and they were racing two, three wide and him and Taylor Scheffler had a really good battle battling back and forth. They're cousins. So, you know, that's a, a little extra incentive to beat each other. So uh, just congratulations to him on that win. That's a fun place to watch late models. Usually a high side. I didn't watch this week, but you know, I know dirt race or a, uh, yeah, Dirt Race Central carries the action for out there, so you can check that out online. So three yeah, bold predictions. I got one more thing, Ryan. Hot yeah. off the press. I'm sure you've been sitting over here. I've been on my phone. It's hot off the press. Just had a sponsor come on board. We're doing a Midwest Modified Special at Viking Speedway this weekend. Um, what we do is we double our purse. We do it for all our regular classes. Just had a sponsor come on board. It's now 1000 to win Midwest Modifieds this Saturday at Viking Speedway. Nice, nice. So there you go, Midwest Modified Drivers. A lot of money on the line. Check out the high-flying half-mile. So three bold predictions. Mason Aaron's video is another great ambassador to the sport. You're not going to meet a much better dude than Mason. Um, helps a lot of people as far as video stuff goes. Um, has a lot of really cool video. Check him out on YouTube. I think he's got a pretty good Facebook page as well. But what we do every week is we make three predictions, typically racing-related, sometimes sports got to be something that either did or did not happen. Not like with soda rules where it's up to clarification. It either did or did not happen. Okay. That's just where <laughs> we're at here. Right. And so a couple came off the board this past week. So for myself, I said, Blake Adams was going to have at least three feature wins. I said that earlier this year in his Midwest mod eighth to first uh, for the second straight week at Grand Rapids. That's number three for Blake Adams. Congratulations to, uh, the third generation racer. I said uh, Donnie Schatz was going to win the million. Off by a couple days. That was a no. I said uh, Benson and um, Swearingen were going to go 1 2 in the big show at uh, at Ogilvy. They're paying five grand to win for the Midwest Mods. That did not happen. I uh, Shane Sabrasky jumped in the car, and of course, it's Shane Sabrasky, so he was fast. Do you remember what one and two, Carlos, can you look that up on your phone? What was one and two Saturday night in the Midwest Mods at um, Ogilvy? I'll let you look that up. And I also said that Cole Searing was going to win two of three at the Rumble. I should have said Tyler Peterson. Um, Searing had a great second place finish, but he did not hit pay dirt. Bert, you had a couple come off the board as well. David Gravel will win at least one at Eldora. That did not happen. And then you said Bobby Pierce was going to win both nights this past weekend. And uh, we're just not going to, that's, that's going to just be a X. So like it did not happen because there was rain. So you don't get it wrong. You don't get it right. It's just taken off the board. Um, listeners, which is going to include cruiser here. It's going to include Puka. So Puka said J-Mac was going to win at least one. That did not happen. Said hot Carl was going to win a B main. That did not happen. And he said, I was going to get the loudest cheer of women at the Hall of Fame deal at Gondek Las <laughs> I don't know how they scored that. I'm assuming probably yes, um, but I'm not really positive. And then uh, Krause, he said there was going to be a first-time late model winner Saturday night at the Viking Speedway. And there was Ryan Michelson. He won in a limited late model there many times, but uh, that was his first in a Wissota late model. You said the PA Posse. 
Bert, this is a, you want to hear a bad beat? Here's a bad beat. This is the bad beat of the show right here. PA Posse is going to win the million. I specifically asked Jacob Allen, Shuhart, any of the Pennsylvania guys that are World of Outlaw guys, are we going to consider them posse or outlaws? And you're like, oh, no, nope, nope, they're outlaws. Yeah, you should. I, I, I tried <laughs> to give you one. I tried to give you an assist and bad beat there because Logan Shuhart getting it done from Pennsylvania, but he's an outlaw. And you said Hot Carl was going to make the big show. That did not happen. So did you find out what was one, two? Uh, Travis Schulte was one and oh. Nick Kaler was two. Yeah, both of them very good. Schulte's got multiple um, fall classic wins over in Ogilvy. And uh, Nick Kaler's got a pile of wins too. So um, neither one of the drivers, I jinxed both of them. Sorry, that was my bad. So the standings, um, I'm at 38%. Bert's at 41.6, so I'm inching my way there, and the listeners are at 25%. So this week's picks, boys, we got three of them for each of us. I got two fans that shot me over, one pick for each of them, so we'll add them in. But uh, we'll take three trips around the room here. Bert, what's your first bold prediction? All right. Um, all the – all the late model features through this XR deal and including Cedar Lake. Um, Pat Dorr will win at least two features and he'll be the only late model driver to win multiple features. All right. So you're having a little parlay there. Now, let me ask you this. Does Ogilvy Colt being that race already happen? Yes. He won last night. Yeah, so Pat Doerr's gonna win. I, I picked I picked them last night, so it counts. <laughs> okay, so Pat Doerr's gonna win at least one more feature this yep. week, and he will be the only late model driver to score multiple feature wins yes. this week. Yeah, that parlay in there makes this a pretty bold prediction. All right, Cruiser, <laughs> what do you got? Twenty uh, RT. He's DNF and at Houston's this weekend. That's my bold prediction. Twenty RT. Which the main fifty three. 53 okay. grand DNF. All right. All right. RTJ DNF. Okay. So I'm going to take Dan. Dan gave us a bold prediction here. Kevin Burdick with a pair of wins this past weekend, sitting together there in Superior. He said, Kevin Burdick's going to be your 2023 Wissota Late Model National Champion. That's pretty bold. That's pretty bold. He's got some work to do, but he's been fast. My first prediction. So Daryl Nelson crashed pretty hard this past Friday in Superior. Hurt his car pretty bad. Took the engine out, put it in the backup car for Mars. Hurt the engine um, last night in Ogilvy. They're off the tour, off the Challenge Series. He's not in Hibbing tonight. And uh, they basically said, we're done for the year. It sounds like it's not a good deal. But Daryl Nelson will be back in both the Modified and Late Model and he'll be back before the second week of August. Okay. <clears throat> um, I will both, go. Oh, let me clarify this. Oh. In both cars. He will race the late model and the modified both before the second week of August. Okay. All right. My second bold prediction, I will say. Nick Athlink will have a podium finish at Cedar Lake on Saturday. Okay. 
Nick Anlin's on the podium. He and he got second at the ten thousand at the Masters, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's won at the USA Nationals either last year or the year before. All right, Cruiser, your second pick. We are going. Um, we're going to have another first time street stock winner at Viking Speedway. Um, there's a bunch of guys getting close. Um, Roger Berkness. I don't know if you Roger Berkness is been racing street stock for about seven, eight years now. Got his first ever uh, win at Viking Speed. His first ever win anywhere. Um, it's a great moment. Um, he's super awesome guy. If you remember, he's a, he's a super nice guy. So I'm going, we're going to have another first time street stock winner at Viking Speedway this weekend. This weekend. So that, this that's week. this weekend. Okay. This week. So not, not this year. This weekend. Okay. This weekend. All right. Smooth operator Bobby Pierce. He's been on a tear. He's been good, but so is RTJ, Huddy, and all their rowdy friends. These three races. Houston's the Silver Dollar Nationals, the 53000 to win. The Prairie Dirt Classic and the main event at the USA Nationals. Bobby Pierce will win two of three. Your final trip around the room. Um, I will say Benji Lacrosse will be the king of the creek and win ten thousand dollars on uh, Wednesday night at one forty one Speedway. All right, all right. <clears throat> Cruiser, my last one. This weekend, there will be another super stock that will get DQ'd. For not having their rear springs at the same angle. I'm calling it right now. Someone else is getting DQ'd. All right. This weekend. All right. So it's going to be the 29 star. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> it, it better not. That's a donkey award if that happens. All right. And I, I'm, I'm kind of confident there's going to be a clarification come out on that deal. And we'll see what happens there. So I have, uh, I got Eric. Eric, a uh, fan of the show, sent me over a bold prediction based on a little mm-hmm. bit of uh What's happening here in the Wasota landscape? At least one central Minnesota track that currently is under the Wasota banner will go open sanction or to a different sanction for the 2024 season. I'm like, do you have insider info? He goes, no, I just got a feeling. I'm like, all right, fair enough. And uh, my third and final prediction going to be uh, based on this week's late model events regionally here. So Dustin Sorensen piloting the 28, the house car for the MB Customs. Getting a little closer, led some laps last night, starting to look. They did some testing this past week. He's winless in 2023. He has one mod win, but zero in the late models. That ends this week. Dustin Sorensen will win at least one this week in the late model. So there you have it, boys. Uh See if we get a little traction on this show, a little, little controversy this week. I got to be honest with you, as critical and hard on Wasota as I am, I, I just got a feeling they're going to get this one right. I really, I, I think they're going to get this one right. I think the board is going to meet. Um, I think they're going to talk to the committee. I just got a feeling they're going to say, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna change this rule." I mean, if they if they feel like they need to change the rules, so be it, right? But being it wasn't written, we're going to give this guy his win back, give him his points, and we're going to make this right. I'm hopeful, confident. I'm, I'm, I just got a feeling that's going to happen, and I really hope it does. So uh, racing plans this week. Pros, I know you're going to Viking. Bert, what do you got going on this weekend? I plan on going to Shano Speedway on Saturday night, and that 
that's probably uh, all the racing I'll have uh, this weekend. I am going to go to Sycamore on Saturday. I was going to go last week, just didn't get back in time. Had too much going on. Wherever the truck brings me this week, I am kind of running somewhat regionally here. So if I happen to be in the area of one of these races this weekend, I may stop in. I don't know where I'm going to end up, but I know I'm going to go to Sycamore Saturday because uh, the Dulciac boys need uh, they need their crew chief back. Dave had a second and Brian had a fifth. So we're going to see if we can get the one to go show cars back up front where they belong. So, well, and actually check that. I think Friday night I am going to go racing, but it, I'm going to be turning to the dark side. Um, I'm going to, I plan on going to state park speedway in Wausau. It's the first night of the Larry Deachins Memorial and that's an asphalt track. So, um, so make sure to get some video footage and stuff for Brad. We know he's a big asphalt guy. <laughs> so we got to make sure we take care of our, our listeners there. So guys, uh, thanks for jumping on. Always a pleasure talking racing. Uh, Krause, good luck this weekend. Um, Bert, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you. I'm sure we'll talk to both of you over the course of the week. And uh, as always love uh, support our sponsors. You know, we got a long list here, check them out, support them when you can. Thanks to them. Well, we are, we're allowed to do what we can here with the, with the show. And uh, thanks for tuning in. I'm Ryan Aho. That's Bert Lehman. That's Coach Jeff Krause. Thanks for tuning in to the One to Go Show.